Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Nicola Temple. Hi, Nicola. Uh, Hi, Sue. It's great to have you on the show. I wrote a little song for you. Are you ready? I just wrote it. Oh, I'm excited. Let's hear it. All right. We met her in a bar, John and Old Bristol, where we ate fresh food and even granola. Nick, 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 <laughs> Nicola. Do you like that? Fabulous. I love it. I can't wait to hear further verses. <laughs> oh, well, this is all you get for now because it was a rush job. But to, thanks for joining our show today to talk about best before the evolution and future of processed food because we know, Nicola, that from the dawn of time, right, people have been processing food. So uh, lest we forget, uh, people who live where we live uh, still do some uh, canning and so on and so forth. So we we don't want to think this is new, but it certainly has evolved, right? That is absolutely correct. So the, um, you know, the oldest estimate is, is perhaps two million years when the first humans started to pound roots and slice meat and, and potentially even start cooking it. And that, you know, shaped what we look like as humans, in fact, this ability to process food. And, and um, it has most certainly evolved so that it's, you know, the, the technologies that exist today sort of start to blur what our understanding of food is, how food, long food can last. You know, a, a freshly cut loaf of bread, for example, probably shouldn't last a week on your countertop. Um, we know that if you've ever baked bread yourself, it's, it starts to go stale in a matter of, of days. So, um, yeah, the, the, the technologies have certainly advanced. <laughs> Most certainly. And even when I'm at my house and I have oranges and, and things, I just... I just marvel that they're in my kitchen. So I guess a lot has to be done in um, the, in the background for for things to get to where they are going in a cost efficient and I guess long lasting way. So what would surprise us about uh, maybe some of the processing that is done for certain foods to give them some sort of a shelf life? Um, so. All of the bagged salads, for example, um, you know, when you cut a head of lettuce, you've, you've made one single cut to the to the base of that lettuce. But when you, we love those, the variety of the leaves that come in a, a bag of lettuce, and and each one of those stems is cut, and so this sort of creates this this um, rapid decay for each of those leaves. Um, at every cut, and so there's, you know, so there the bags that they're contained in um, have been 
It's called modified atmospheric packaging, and and, and they've changed the ratio of gases, for example, to try and slow down that decay process. But, you know, things as simple as as an apple, for example, um, you know, it can be photographed as much as 100 times just to look at the ratio of green to red because some supermarkets would would prefer a different ratio than others. Um, And, you know, that's that's an example of, of really just sort of sorting, but we don't really think of an apple as being processed at all, but even something as simple as that has been has been processed. Well, uh, but we know, we think, Nicola, maybe we don't know, but we think that uh, bag salads are, they're kind of the new norm because lettuce is such a, a volatile commodity. I mean, we've just seen this E. coli outbreak with the romaine. So, you know, when we see that, we actually feel a degree of safety, even though I can tell when you're in the restaurant that it isn't most of it from a bag at this point. Yeah, bagged lettuces have have taken off um, exponentially. I mean, it's it would be any food manufacturer's dream to have sort of the exponential rise in in popularity that bagged lettuce has had. Um, but you know, it, it even two or three decades. Well. No, so prior to the 1980s, say the technology wouldn't have existed in order to keep those uh, little leaves all as as fresh as we would like to see them. Um, but it is because we we love the variety that that comes with the bagged lettuce, and 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 there's of course. It's been washed. It's um, been, as I said, it's an atmospheric change. The atmosphere within the packaging has changed to try and slow that decay down. Um, and all of these technologies exist to also try and produce a safer food for everyone as well someone, as the E. coli. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. It's, uh, you're always taking uh, a chance. But someone wants to know if it's possible for someone to develop an allergy because of food processing. Yeah, I mean that has been that's certainly been one of the questions around uh, the gluten intolerance, for example. Um, you see a lot more gluten intolerance in North America than you do here in Europe, um, as an example. And and one of the uh, reasons for that has been proposed that because the bread making process has changed, so it's not fermented for as long, it's sort of all been uh, sped up using enzymes and, and um, other methods, then uh, it's possible that people are, are starting to develop an intolerance to gluten that doesn't exist. For example, they might tolerate sourdough, a proper sourdough that's been fermented for, you know, a, a few days, essentially. Um, so it's possible, but it's also possible. It's also um, some food processing has helped us eliminate some allergies. So it was our, our ability to process milk into cheese that um, started us to the, the trend of becoming um, lactose tolerant. So we're very, very rare among the, the mammals in that we can drink milk into adulthood. So about 35% of the population can drink milk into adulthood. And it was because we were processing milk into cheese that that, that enabled that uh, mutation to happen in our in our genetics. How much of a development has been done so um, things that, that are in the market 
look attractive to consumers because um, you know how it is. You go to the store and maybe you look over the fruit and whatnot. And if it has a blemish, you might not pick it. Or you go over to the, uh, you know, you, you select meat based upon uh, the way that it looks. So what, what's been done in that regard to make things sort of uh, aesthetically pleasing to the consumer? Uh, there's been, yeah, quite a few things. So, um, for example, chicken breasts can be plumped up with added water to make them look a bit fuller. Uh, there's been some discussion about meats having dyes added to them in order to make them look fresher. Um, so there are there are definitely cases of the food industry using processing methods to a bit deceiving you know there's there's coatings and dips that you can use to make a, a cut apple uh, look like it was just cut freshly for up to 27 days and and for me personally that's where it crosses the line because I think that that's very deceiving if if you know you sort of have an expectation of how food should behave and when it doesn't behave that way it just alters our perception what do you think what will happen in the future? Well, let's talk about this first. Uh, in our culture in the United States, Nicole, there is a lot of waste in uh, the food stream for now. Do you think in the, the future there will be less? What kind of things will be done maybe to improve that uh, with consumers and uh, try to get them to understand uh, how severe it is? I think there is a strong movement already happening, and, and there's lots of countries around the world, lots of supermarkets have been running, for example, you know, ugly fruit and vegetable campaigns to try and get people to choose the less aesthetically pleasing um, veggies and whatnot. But um, there is still a tremendous amount of waste, and I think that that's one of my great fears is that processed food has a bit of a bad rap, and some of that is definitely justified. But if we sort of ignore, if we don't say, have a rational con conversation about processed food, then there won't be the money to drive innovation to reducing things like food waste. Instead, all of the research and development will be carried out by manufacturers that are more motivated by profit rather than resolving, you know, huge societal problems just like reducing food waste. So that's, that is definitely um, something I would like to see happen as a result of this book. Uh, let's talk about the the movement toward organic food, which has its own place in our supermarkets and uh, seems to tout the fact uh, that it is much better for you, although it does come at a price. Will the day come, would you think, when, when that will be um, more accepted, even, even at the price, because people want products that are more natural? Yeah, I think there's. I think there will always have to be a range of uh, price options. And while I think that, in fact, anything that isn't grown organically should be the thing that's labeled um, rather than the organic food, I think that it, we have to be realistic. I mean, sliced ham, for example, there in any supermarket you'll see a range of um, products from you know 
organically grown, uh, grass-reared, happy little pigs to, um, you know, the really cheap value ham that's available. And they've the manufacturers are adding more and more water to that product so that they can offer a product that's within a price range that people want. So I don't think that there's ever going to be, you know, organic food will be ubiquitous. It's, there will always be a need for cheaper options. Um, and that's why it's important to have this sort of this rational conversation about processed food and its role in our society. Okay, what about uh, GMOs, which uh, there is some backlash against, and uh, that might go with, uh, you know, how they're labeled and how they're made. When In your research, is there anything particularly troubling that you find about uh, GMOs? And I know that's a very large question, but what do you think? <laughs> that is a very <laughs> large question. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of stayed clear of GMOs, to be honest, um, and instead introduced the concept of, of nanotechnology, because I think it runs the risk of going the same direction as GMOs. I think GMOs uh, had some horrible communications around them, and so while not GM, the whole concept of GMOs as a whole is not um, all concerning, there are things, there are areas where we need to take be precautious. Um, but that doesn't mean we should throw the whole idea out. Um, and I think that's the same with nanotechnology as well. And I think that that's something that we're going to see more and more with relation to our food. Um, you know, looking as an example, so, you know, we're looking for ways to reduce our sugar consumption throughout all of our food chains. And so if we can manufacture sugar that's super small, which is what nanotechnology is, uh, then, you know, we increase the amount of sweetness that we get from far less sugar. So is that is is that um, going to happen into the future? And the, just like GMOs, we need to be cautious about our use of some nanotechnologies and embrace others. Yeah, the the pervasive use of sugar and some, even things that you think are good for you, if you read the content of sugar, they are not. Why do uh, why do manufacturers do this? And and do you think the palate of individuals can be changed in the future so that they don't crave it and and maybe they can scale back on it? Yeah, if if you've ever, I don't know whether you've ever cut sort of tried to reduce the amount of sugar in your diet, but if you do do that for any period of time, you know, you go back and you have a grape or a strawberry and it just tastes intensely sweet. Uh, so there's no denying that your palate can change and you are absolutely right. You know, sugar is ubiquitous and it's because we've made it so, we've become so efficient at processing um, and refining sugar. It's, it's become, uh, it's become an ingredient rather than just a sweetener or, or an occasional treat. So it's used as a tool by the, by the food industry. Um, it's a preserve it enhances flavors. It can counter acidity, acidity, and and some of the other food additives that might have a tartness about them. So, you know, citric acid, for example, is used as a preservative, and then you know they add more sugar in to try and c- 
counter that tartness. So, um, and the, the risk of that is, of course, you know, if you if one manufacturer makes adds a little bit more sugar into their tomato sauce, for example, um, then consumers are inherently going to prefer that tomato sauce, and um, so then the other manufacturers will probably up their sugar content um, in response to that, and you, and suddenly, yeah, all ev- everything becomes a bit sweeter. And I certainly notice that I'm Canadian, and I go back and forth between Canada and Britain, and and I notice, you know, there's huge differences. So curries are are much sweeter here than they are in Canada, for example. But uh, you know, strongbow cider is way sweeter in Canada than it is here. That's an interesting thing to bring up. I, I never thought of it that way, that uh, palettes uh, based on country may be a bit different. And finally, before we let you go, the future the future of, of food um, may be a little bit on the wild side. Some of the thing that, things that are out there uh, that you write about are uh, kind of mind-blowing to me. So you want to tell the audience about um, some of the uh, laboratory creations and uh, 3D technology that will come into play? Yeah, so 3D printing, that was, um, you know, something that came out of looking at ways to provide astronauts with fresher food, if you will, looking at 3D printing. And then some restaurants now are incorporating 3D printing, so printing um, chocolate garnish, for example. Uh, You know, you're just putting out a whole bunch of the same thing, and that works really well. But there was a group of MIT students who were really ingenious, and they printed pasta out. Um, We love different-shaped pastas, but, of course, when they're all different-shaped, they take up a lot of packaging. And so they printed out the pasta flat, and then they put another layer, so it became 4D printed, um, of just cellulose, you know, just plant material in a different pattern on the pasta. And then as soon as you boiled that pasta, they changed their shape as a result of of the way it had been printed. Um, And so it meant they could all be packed flat and use far less packaging than than a pre-shaped pasta. And so I think we're going to see some interest. I mean, that sort of sounds way out there and a bit... Um, uh, yeah, just something out of the pages of a sci-fi novel, but who knows? I mean, there's there's been all sorts of innovations that have happened throughout human history that I'm sure sounded a bit off the wall to begin with. <laughs> for certain. Nicola, thank you for uh, being with us today and uh, tolerating our questions <laughs> and uh, talking about a really, <laughs> thank you, Sue. a really interesting subject. Best before the evolution and future of processed food. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. All right. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.